Hey, welcome. This is a special episode. So if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, um, please ignore the name, the title of the podcast. Don't prejudge the podcast based on all the stuff you see in other episodes or the name or any of that stuff. This podcast is specifically for you. Now, if you're listening because someone sent you this podcast, it's because they care about you and they want you to know the truth about our society. So this podcast episode, we're going to talk about why everyone should be prepared for a catastrophe like the coronavirus. And let's say the coronavirus is no big deal and this thing was all big joke and it never happened right and it turns out the numbers are way skewed by the government to bait trump or whatever whatever your theory you want to believe or maybe aliens came down and faked it or whatever doesn't matter the whole point let's say coronavirus is not real what are the odds of you going through your whole life and never having a collapse of society well let's go back through history for a minute and look So, first, the Bible has historical accounts of all kinds of disasters, right? The flood of Noah, which a lot of you may believe is not real. Um, The famines in Egypt. The oppression of Israel by the Romans. Um, The Romans oppressing everybody, actually. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. Famines, plagues, those are real things. And the reason, even if you don't believe the Bible is true, the reason they're in the Bible and the stories are in the Bible is because those are the kind of things that happen in our world, right? The number one thing that controls what happens in our world, whether we're happy and healthy or starving and diseased and dead, is the sun, right? The sun gives all energy to earth. And so whether you're a global warming guy or whatever, or you believe global warming is a hoax, doesn't matter. The point is, is that the sun is the source of all of our energy. And when the sun is in its low phase, its dormant phase, where there's no sunspots or anything like that, the earth begins to cool, it begins to have weird changes in weather, and the same with its high phase, when it's firing all over the place and shooting uh, gamma rays at the earth. But the interesting thing is, is that any solar spot that's pointed towards Earth, which is a, it's not a super rare event. The, um, what was the, um, the current, I can't remember his name now. There was a professor that did the research and the Carrington event. The Carrington event was a time in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when they were just using telegraphs when the sun had a solar flare shoot directly at the earth and it was a direct hit. And the Carrington effect is when these sunspots hit the earth's atmosphere and they shoot across the earth's atmosphere and the earth dissipates the sunspot into, from radiation to uh, radioactive electrical waves called electromagnetic pulses or coronal mass ejections, right? And when these hit the Earth, they send shockwaves so fast through the electrical system, surges of energy so fast through power lines and any wires 
that they fry any electronics attached to them. And the longer the wire, the higher the odds of you getting your electronics getting fried by it. So anything you've got plugged into the wall right now, just consider it toast. Because it will be. And what are the odds of this happening? They say it happens about every 150 years. And the Carrington event was in um, the early, early 1900s to late 1800s. And I don't remember the exact date. But I'm just going through the list here. So the odds are we could have one any minute. We're statistically pretty close to due for one, right? And that's just our power grid system. And that system is super weak. It's not ready for anything. But that's just one thing that can happen. Now you say, oh, that's crazy. That's conspiracy theory. Let's take a step back. All these theories I'm going to go through of possible collapse scenarios have a high probability. But the problem is, is you and I specifically have what's called normalcy bias. Because we were raised, we were born after World War II. Statistically, if you're listening to this, there's like a 99.9% chance that you were born after World War II. And so you've never seen anything go wrong in society. Anything major, right? We got 9-11 and we've got the little regional issues like tornadoes or floods or hurricanes. But chances are you've never seen a nationwide disaster, much less a worldwide disaster. So we have what's called normalcy bias, which makes us assume things are going to continue the way they have been going for the last century, right? But we can't do that because the numbers don't lie. The numbers tell us that the longer we go without an issue, the closer the issue is to hitting, right? Because your life has been just perfectly placed in the slowest, easiest time in Earth's history, which makes us weaker and softer and less prepared. That's why when your great-grandma never used a bank and she hid all her money in her house, in her refrigerator, or under her mattress, like that stuff was because she saw a banking collapse. And the reason your grandpa kept his gun clean and polished and ready to go is because he saw a world war and he saw the devastation, right? And the thing is, is that like normalcy bias is what gets people killed. And we all have it. We all have it. Like even I, who runs a podcast preaching, getting ready for some sort of disaster, even I wake up some days and I say, what am I doing? This will never happen. Nothing bad is ever going to happen because it never has. And then I have to shake myself and say, hold on, the longer you go without a disaster, the more likely it is, right? So we've got to be sure that we're getting ready. So we went over the power grid. The power grid, if the power grid goes down, they estimate about 93% of people will die within the first year, just if we lose the power grid to a coronal mass ejection. But here's another thing. You can artificially cause these things by setting off a nuke in space. And you're like, well, that's, that's way out there. Who's going to set off a nuke in space? Well, I'll tell you this. North Korea has two satellites in space, right, that cross over the U.S. every 24 hours. And those satellites 
don't broadcast anything. There's no signals coming from those satellites. They're just up in space. And nobody knows what they're there for. They don't do anything. Now, they could just be propaganda for North Korea to say, well, we've got two satellites in space. But they also could be have a nuclear warhead on them, which we know North Korea has nukes. So if they have a nuclear warhead on those, all they have to do is wait till it's over the U.S. and then pop it. And when that radiation hits the atmosphere, it does the same thing. It sends an electromagnetic pulse through the power lines and wipes out the grid. So it doesn't have to be a natural phenomenon. It could be a man-made phenomenon. And of course, every country in the world has, not every country, most of the developed countries in the world have nukes, right? And they're all pointed at some city somewhere. Not literally pointed because it's electronic, but they all have like targets already in mind of where they're going to launch these nukes. But I don't think nukes is the biggest threat. I don't think I think it's almost zero chance that anybody will launch a nuke as a first offense, as a first attack because it destroys that region of the world. You know, the pollution and the infrastructure destroyed it's just not the way that it would happen. But there's nothing to say that we wouldn't have a world war, a conventional world war. Now you say, like, well, the, you know, the UN and all the treaties and stuff. The treaties make it worse. The treaties suck in countries that have no reason to be involved in a war, into a war, to make it a world war. And we have treaties with people all over the world. We have treaties with Saudi Arabia, who is the ones who paid for 9-11. We have treaties with um, Turkey. And Turkey's all the time getting into commotion in the Middle East. They're, they hate Israel. We have treaties with two countries that hate each other. We have treaties with Turkey and Israel, and they basically hate each other. We have treaties with Saudi Arabia, who actually is causing some chaos in the Middle East also. We have treaties all over the world that it will suck us into a world war if it were to ever happen. So that's another another weak spot. And then along with that, our economic system. The Federal Reserve is not federal and it's not a reserve. They don't hold money. They print money. And they flood the markets with money. And what's the problem with that, you say? The problem is, is that anytime you establish a system of currency, you have to convince people to use it. And the U.S. has been very convincing on causing people to use the U.S. dollar. And that is what's kept the dollar strong, even though they have been flooding the market with trillions of dollars of uh, basically fake money, printed money. You know, it's all fake, but printed money they've flooded the markets with. And at any time, if the world starts to lose trust in the U.S. for any reason, it could be a pandemic, it could be a war, it could be a president that's crazy. It could be anything. They could just stop trading in the U.S. dollar and our economy would collapse overnight. Because our dollar's not backed by anything. There's no reason for them to keep using the U.S. dollar. And what the Chinese are doing is every time they get money, they're turning around and buying gold or they're buying property inside the U.S. So they're not sitting on a ton of dollars. Why would they do that? It's because they're planning on getting out of the U.S. dollar. Now, places like Zimbabwe and 
South Africa and Ghana, places like that that use, receive U.S. foreign aid, they use the U.S. dollar. They're cool with it. But they have no idea what they're setting themselves up for. But the Chinese are getting ready to dump the U.S. dollar. And if the Chinese dump the U.S. dollar, our economy stops on a dime that day. Now, why does all this stuff matter? There's a, And we can look at all kinds of systems. Our healthcare system is like always on the verge of collapse because of the corruption in private public partnership you know when the government gets their hand in healthcare our healthcare system is all but socialized already you know so that's that stuff is on the verge of collapse and if you're a socialist and you're into that don't just leave that part out for a second and just think about what's going on here but then civil unrest think about how much tension there is the media has created so much tension between right and left which are basically two sides of the same coin Right, They always come together and agree on everything when it comes to spending your money and starting a new war. They'll always come to an agreement, and they'll go ahead and execute anyways. So you know that they're not any different from each other. But I don't want to get you guys upset. I want you to focus on the main point of the message. Our country is super unstable. Our world is super unstable. And it always will be, and it always has been. Our food supply is another super unstable one, but we'll talk about that later. But the big point is is that we have normalcy bias and we have to shake our normalcy bias. We have to. And I'm not saying that like you have to live in a bunker for the rest of your life. That's not even possible. The thing is is that we are all playing a game of musical chairs right now. And anytime the music stops, it's over. When the music stops, it doesn't matter the reason. When the music stops, it's over. So you've got to have a chair. You've got to have a chair waiting for you, right? And what does that mean? It means you need to have some food stored away. You need to have some water stored away. You need to get out of the city. It is reasonable. It is reasonable for you to live 20 miles from the city. Why 20 miles? It's over one day's walking distance, right? I'm not... I'm not James Wesley Rawls. I'm not going to say you need to live a full gas tank away from the city. I understand that concept, but most of us can't afford that, right? And when we can, we will. But you need to leave at least 20 miles from the city. That's farther than most city people will be willing to walk. And you need to have enough land to provide for your family in times of trouble with food. That means gardens, that means livestock, that means fruit trees. It's easy to do. It's very easy to do. You know? You guys can do this. It just takes one one foot, putting one foot in front of the other. You know? It's like that 12-mile ruck march. You know? You just put one foot in front of the other. Don't think about it being 12 miles. Think about, I just got to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to take that next step. I'm going to take that next step. I'm going to take that next step. You can do it. It's not hard. It's just takes consistency. It takes determination. So it's super easy. Let's think about the basics, right? First, you need to have a water supply. Start out by every single hard plastic bottle you get, right? Not the milk jugs, not the Ozarka soft jugs. But every single water, every single Coke bottle you get, every single fruit juice bottle you get needs to be washed out good. 
and stored with water and put in your closet. Now, a lot of people add two or three drops of bleach. I used to do that, but then we went on a sailing trip one time, and I took my two or three drop bleach water with me, and it had been setting for a year, and it still tasted like bleach. So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm into that anymore. I think I'd rather deal with a little bit of mold in the water, you know, a little bit of algae in the water than that. But I've also never had algae grow. I've got some water that's been setting for like two years just to see what happens, and it never grew algae. So I'm not too worried about it. But anyways, there's that. So that's a start, right? The next thing you need to do is set up a rainwater collection. And the third thing you need to do is get a water filter of some kind. If you're living in the city and you're planning on getting out or you're just now thinking about this for the first time, go ahead and get you a water filter because the city water is contaminated with all kinds of nastiness. Okay, so get your water filter, a Berkey or a Alexa Pure or anything like that that's going to filter out the contaminants in the water. Make sure you get the fluoride filter if you get the Berkey get the added fluoride filter but you can that's water is the easiest one right we can store enough to last us a couple months and then we can start collecting it from the rain and cleaning it and using that but you've got to be you've got to know that you're limited if you're going to do it this way so that's water food man store what you eat eat what you store that's what we always say but put some canned goods start with buy every time you go to the store buy double the canned goods. Anything that's non-perishable, buy double. And anything that's going to last more than six months, get it. Right? Get it and store it and buy two of them. And next time you go, rotate it out. Use the old one. Put the new one in behind it. And you can store up double the food. And you'll slowly build your food stockpiles. And then, third, you need some sort of self-defense we everybody needs a decent pistol and a decent shotgun if not a decent rifle right so that is not it's not as hard to do but right now the market is a little bit uh, a little bit uh, stressed because of this collapse thing, this uh, coronavirus thing so now is probably not the perfect time to do it but you can always get the older stuff. People right now have like sucked up all the ARs and they've sucked up all the Glocks and they've sucked up all the uh, fancy rifles and pistols. But you can still get a decent shotgun for incredibly cheap on the used market. Check out armslist.com. Go on there. Find you a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge if you're a really tiny person. Pump action. 20 gauge or a pump action 12 gauge you're looking for a Mossberg 500 write this down Mossberg 500 or you're looking for a Remington 1200 right those are the two most common shotguns and if you buy those you'll be able to find parts all over the place so get one of those then when you get ready for a pistol obviously we want a Glock but you're not always going to be able to afford a Glock because Glocks get sucked up really fast but um get something that's double stacked right especially if you don't have a ton of training time i mean we always want to get training on our pistols and rifles and shotguns as much as we can but we let's be reasonable nobody's going to be out there and be just like 
an expert marksman after, you know, a few months of owning a pistol. You don't, I mean, you may go to the range one time a year, which is not enough, but we're doing all kinds of stuff to get ready for this thing. We, we need to be kind of, you know, balancing, you know, so let's get uh, a pistol and get to the range a few times. We want to get a double stack that has a good reputation. You get uh, Ruger's are a good reputation. Uh, Glocks have a good reputation. Um, the newer Smith & Wessons have a good reputation. I wouldn't get the older Smith & Wessons. The old Smith & Wessons with like the four-digit names are not that reliable. We've had issues with those. I went to a gunsmithing school and the gunsmiths all hated those. So keep that in mind. Um, Berettas are way ridiculously heavy, but they're cheap and they're available. Um, just something with a double stack so that your accuracy isn't, you know, if you miss a few shots, it's not the end of the world, right? You want to have 12 rounds at least in that thing. Then you want to have spare mags, two or three spare mags, because you never know what's going to happen. So with our shotguns, we can go into that more, but basically you want to have buckshot or slugs, but I would prefer buckshot. But you want both. You want both, right? Slugs go a little farther. Buckshot's got a little more spread, but both of them will knock a guy down and keep him down. So that's what we're wanting. Um, you can get some birdshot for hunting and practice. But that's, that's kind of got you covered. And if you've got a little more money but a little less time, always, always want to get a 22 because you can take a 22 and get out to the range and practice your accuracy. Uh, 22 pistol or a 22 rifle, and you can get a lot of rounds down range for very cheap and very quick. So that's something to consider. Um, that's, let's see, 22s. So then we got our, then the last thing is you need to have a group. You need to have a group. Whoever sent you this podcast, that's the person you probably need to talk to about joining their group. And at first, nobody's going to want you in their group because chances are you haven't been prepared. That's why they sent you this podcast is because you haven't been prepared or they're not sure if you're prepared, right? So get prepared. Get some stuff ready. Get out of the city, please. If there's anything you can do to get out of the city, I would live, I would rather live in a bumper pool camper on 20 acres, 20 miles from the city, than live in the nicest apartment in the city. I don't care if it's got a bank vault for a door, right? It doesn't matter. It's not going to be good to be in the city. I mean... Some apartments, you know, they've got check valves, but in collapses, they've had, like, sewage systems that don't even work. They get backed up and, like, flood the lower floors. They have just chaos when things go bad. So keep that in mind. Get out of the city if you can. And just get ready for this thing. Anything that you were short on when this thing came down, means you probably need to have a stockpile of it, right? Toilet paper always goes. And it didn't make sense for this particular collapse for toilet paper to go, but it makes sense for it in general for it to go because if you're stuck at your house, you can scrounge and eat for a long time. But if you've got two weeks worth of toilet paper, you've got two weeks worth of toilet paper. (coughs) 
and that's it. I mean, anything else you use in your toilet is going to clog your pipes. And that's a major issue. If you use baby wipes, you're going to clog your pipes. If you use uh, paper towels, you're going to clog your pipes. If you use uh, rags or newspaper or any of that stuff, you're going to clog your pipes. And if you throw it in your trash can, now you've got to dispose of this nasty, contaminated, hazardous waste. So that's a major issue. Just something to think about. That's why the toilet paper runs happen, right? The last thing people want is to clog their pipes or to have to throw their wipe of whatever choice away. And flushable wipes is another good choice, but they're super expensive. So, I don't know. I don't know. If you've got the money, go for it. Because those usually sell after all the toilet paper's gone. So that's something to consider. Anyways, I just want you guys to be ready for this thing. And obviously, whoever sent you this podcast wants you to be ready for this thing. So if you know somebody out there who's not prepared... Send them this podcast. Just give them the idea. Just to give them the idea of why we do what we do. It's important. It's not crazy. It's not tinfoil hat. Odds are, right, there's a, there is a major war that involves, you know, a decent size chunk of the world every generation, right? Every generation. And it's usually like a generation apart, right? Usually about 80 years apart. There's a pandemic that hits every generation. And it's usually about 80 years apart, right? And these things are usually staggered, but they hit pretty close to each other, right? And then there's also tyrannical governments take over, always. Always we go from more freedom to less freedom. It's called the atrophy, right? Atrophy of a political system happens just like the atrophy of the solar system happens just like the atrophy of a human body, right? Everything is aging. That's the way that God designed the world after the fall of man. We all, you know, when Adam sinned, the fall of man, the world began to come apart, right? It began to atrophy. And it's been coming apart ever since. And so you need to know that, like, we are at the high end of the atrophy. And, um, man, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a civilization cycle where you've got the pioneers come in and clear an area and then the warriors come in no the warriors come in take over an area the pioneers come in and establish a like an outpost then the merchant class comes in and establishes like a city and makes a society this this is the structure of how societies go from start to finish right the, the merchants come in and make a society rich. Then the next generation, right? The fourth generation is the artisans and the beggars and the useless, what they consider the use, the government would consider the useless eaters, right? People who don't produce anything, who just live off the fat of the land that other people have produced, and they are the last generation. They cause the chaos. They cause the collapse. And it always happens, and we just happen to be that generation. Right? We're the generation that doesn't produce anything. So get ready. It's coming. And if it's not the coronavirus, it's going to be something else. Just let the coronavirus be a warning to you. And I know that this was kind of a rant, but I want you guys to realize that this thing is real. It's going to happen. If not now, 
it's going to be in a few years from now. So it could be the next election. You know, if this isn't what does it, the next election could cause a civil war. And if you don't think so, dude, you got your head in the sand because there's a lot of people who are ready to explode. So anyways, like I said, send this to anyone you know who's not prepared, okay? It's not foolish to prepare. It's foolish to not prepare. The Bible says a rich man stores up choice wine and oil, you know? It says a rich man stores up choice wine and oil, but a fool... But a fool gulps down, gulps theirs down. That means the rich, when they have extra excess, they save it and they store it away for hard times. And that's the problem. Is we are the richest society in the history of the world, and most of us are in debt up to our eyeballs. We can barely make the next payment. That's not good, folks. If we can't, if we're barely surviving, in the best the world has ever seen, that means. We don't stand a chance if things go back to what's normal, what's normal in the world, which is not wealth in excess. Normal is already scraping by with like barely having enough food and barely having enough protection, you know, and barely having any freedom. So anyways, I pray for you guys. That was a big yawn. Didn't drink enough coffee this morning. I pray for you guys. I think you guys... Um, are on the right track just send this to somebody who needs it and send it to post it on groups you know post it on uh, pages even if it has nothing to do with this post it on there and people will listen to it before it gets blocked somebody will you might save somebody's life you know okay take care of your families prepare if you've got young children take it very serious if you're on your own then you know roll the dice gamble i don't you know i don't care as much if you choose to live a life of luxury now and just say i'll just die when it happens but if you've got people depending on you the bible says the man who does not take care of his family is worse than an infidel and an infidel is like somebody who purposefully lives like a life against what god says is right you know like open rebellion to God. So anyways, thank you guys for listening. Spread the word. Talk to you later.